All right, welcome. It's the Council Roundup. Pretty damn. Now it's time for Greg Bishop and the Council, Council Roundup. Roundup. Yeah. Greg is not here, but uh, we are we are definitely here. I'm Chris. That's Kevin, and uh, mm-hmm. we got a lot to get to today. Uh, we, yep. I've got the clearing of the air. St. Patrick's Day parade could actually be Labor Day weekend. We'll talk about that. We also have uh, some uh, moratoriums to look at, and a lot of time spent on uh, race relations with the cops too, as the kind of been the theme all summer long. But let's get started with clearing the air. Alderman McMiniman took the floor right away. Apologize to the city council for the words I used last week when discussing the new housing policy board. I also apologize to any residents who were offended. I particularly regret using the sports analogies. They failed to properly explain the challenges we face in achieving what we all want, broad geographic representation on boards and commissions from all neighborhoods, as well as every other representation balance to the fullest extent possible. I strongly support those goals. It will make our city better and stronger. I encourage citizens from every neighborhood to volunteer to serve on the 27 wide assortments of boards and commissions. We want your voice to be heard. I have also apologized privately and directly to Alderpersons Gregory and Turner. Thank you, Alderman Gregory, for allowing this opportunity. All right, yeah. And and just what we've always found out about Joe McMinnman, stand-up guy. Mm -hmm. You know, stand-up guy, and and, uh, he made the apology. And uh, then, uh, you know, uh, another guy that I think is a pretty good stand-up guy is Alderman Sean Gregory, and he was the chair at last night's committee of the whole meeting, and he took right after that. Just briefly, you know, I I would say that that – God knows that 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 everyone, you know, truly, truly, if they're gonna be sincere, you know, deserves a second chance. Like I told you when we spoke, I'll never agree with what you said, but I do agree to work with you to hopefully find a understanding of of how we move forward as a community. Um, as bad as it, you know, I, I would want to be mad and never talk to you again and all those things. You know, um, I know that's not the right way. I know that's not the way that, that my colleagues are, are, are coaching me to be. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I want to be better than that. And I, I think you do, too. And, you know, we, we, we rarely have time to, to address all critics or, or, or things that are said about us in our wards. But, you know, I, you know I, I just wanted to get that time out of the way. And, you know, certainly if any, any, any of my other colleagues have something to say. Yeah, good good sayings from a couple of stand-up mm-hmm. guys here. And then Chuck Redpath uh, jumped into the debate here, I, too. Uh, I appreciate the apology from you, Alderman McMinimum, and I think it was appropriate. I, I wanted we to just have note to that work right there. Hold on a, a quick a, sec. I just want to note right there that he said Alderman McMinimum, and he has trouble saying it, too. So I, okay. I feel like I feel like I'm, I'm, I, I'm in the same uh, boat. I appreciate right. the apology from you, Alderman McMinimum, and I think it was appropriate. Um, we have to work as a, a body here for everybody to get along so we can accomplish the people's business. To follow up with that, I think, Alderman Gregory, your comments in the Illinois Times were very inappropriate. 
call, inform, uh, calling the people of this city council clowns was very inappropriate, and mm -hmm. I was very offended by it. So I appreciate it if you would apologize to this body, because we deserve that too. Well, I, would, I definitely would if I said, if I called you a clown, but that's why my phone is always available for anybody who wants to call and check my, 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 my what I said, because I always stand behind it as a man. I guarantee you that. Well, and I, I, what, I didn't call anybody a clown. It was misquoted, and I just didn't want to deal with with it because I didn't want to do the interview in the first place. But I did to stand up and, and be truthful and honest about things that 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 people had been hunting for me. And and and, and so there it is. It's out there. I would never call you a clown or anybody else a clown. I actually immediately at five in the morning called two of the colleagues that I talked to uh, quite frequently um, to to reiterate that I would never call anybody that. I'm I'm definitely not that dumb to to say that. Um, there was many things in that article that were misquoted, but I left it. I left it. I left it what it is. So I would apologize for that, but that's not what I said, and I wouldn't apologize for anything I didn't say. Um, anything I do say, I stand behind, and and um, you know what I will apologize for is raising my voice to Alderman McMenamin. I apologize to this body for doing that. That's not a professional way, and I apologize to all of my colleagues for that. But I won't apologize for things that I didn't say. Well, we had to read it and we had to hear from it from our constituents Absolutely. like everybody else did. Okay. So you well, need to talk to Mr. Uh, Mr. Rushton, who uh, obviously did not have his facts straight because that was offensive to all of us. Well, no, no, no need to talk to anybody because you heard it from the horse's mouth. I said it. Right. I said I didn't call anybody clowns. Okay, yeah, so there we go. And again, one of the top reporters in the city, Bruce Rushton, you know, and he, and he went with that in his article, you know. So, uh, But Alderman Gregory says he didn't say it, so we'll just kind of mm. move on yeah. and go from there. Uh, one of the things we've been keeping a, a real close eye on is the Treasurer's Report. Obviously, the city finances under COVID-19, uh, under a little bit of threat, but things uh, a little bit surprising. They're not in too bad a shape, according to Misty Busher. The corporate fund in the month of June had a beginning balance of $13,509,074. We took in total receipts of $17,021,694. We had total disbursements in the month of June of $17,459,123, which left the corporate fund with an ending balance in the month of June of $13,071,645. This concludes my report, Chair Gregory. Okay, so still a deficit here, but but really not the big tsunami deficit that we expected. Four hundred thirty-eight thousand for the month of of uh, June that they yeah, they took in, uh, uh, they paid out more than they took in. So so still not this economic tsunami that we've been expecting. We we saw a three million difference, I think, uh, one of the months or so. But uh, certainly the rating day fund is holding shape. We're hoping that the things will shore up just a little bit as they go along. Now let's get to uh, uh, a little curveball that we didn't even really see too well as far as the preview goes of uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Now, remember, yeah. it got canceled March 17th, and it was expected to be a six-month parade at September 17th that we're going to do a St. Patrick's Day Parade, and I thought that was a real good idea. It looks like they're trying to move it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, whoops, hold on. Hold on. Are you good? Sorry about that. Here we go. Um, rescheduling the St. Patrick's Day Parade, Day parade Mayor, I, I didn't know if that's still something we want to keep as an option. I yeah, we'll have to uh, follow up. That's the same day as the Labor Day parade, or the late same weekend. Same weekend. So right. that's why I'm not sure of uh, okay. having both on the same weekend. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to talk to the organizers. Originally, I think they were supposed to have it, I thought, at the halfway point of March. So that'd be, what, September, uh, September 17th? Yep. yep. 
Okay, yeah, so that's uh, Alderman Conley, you know, questioning that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't covered the Labor Day parade in a long time, so I'm not sure how big that is. And, obviously, that's on a Monday. And the St. Patrick's Day parade, would I would think, would be on a Saturday. So it would be the yeah. same weekend. You know, it, it, it's a little bit tough blocking streets and whatever, but I understand why they would want that parade to be on that uh, holiday weekend as opposed to just any other weekend. But, uh, you know, with that said, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in council there. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it could be two parades in the downtown on Labor Day weekend. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not really sure, too. You know, it's like uh, I wonder how um, – the council is feeling about the crowds that that kind of event draws. And are we going to be uh, uh, away from that enough in September anyway? You know, certainly you look at something like the Chicago Marathon that uh, is canceled already in yeah. October. Yeah, I was so. even thinking, I mean, the Labor Day Parade, I mean, are they even going to have as big a crowds for that? Yeah, right. I mean, right. You know, I don't, I don't even know if he really can have a crowd, you know, that early in September. I don't know where we'll be as far as the COVID-19 goes, but uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But it could be two parades in the weekend mm. anyway, or it could be zero. Or Very well be, be zero. zero. Let's get back to the council roundup here at News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. And then we started to uh, talk about race relations with the police again and the NAACP asking for a reaffirmant of an agreement. And here's how that went. 2020, 273, a resolution of affirmation of shared principles between the Illinois NAACP branches and the city of Springfield. Motion for discussion. Second. Okay, so I'm I'm a little bit confused. And in March of 2018, the city of Springfield joined the Illinois um, Chiefs Association and other law enforcement agencies. I believe it's like 28 or 29, uh, and signed the NAACP's 10 shared principles at, at a huge ceremony at the Old State Capitol. So. I believe that at that time we showed our support and affirmation for the shared principles. So I was there and, and I was excited about it, hopeful. I thought it was a good thing. But I also thought it would be a catalyst for change, um, followed by the addition of some accountability mechanism, but nothing followed. So now we're two years later and we're going through the exact same process that we did in March of 2018. So the document contains no enforcement measures, and what I would like to see with this document is for us to use it as a starting, starting place and formalize these ideas with enforcement measures that would include disciplinary provisions, and I just think it needs teeth to support the words within the document, because right now, all we have is really words. And I'm not sure how these principles or if they were relayed to staff, but since the document has been signed, there have been at least seven, seven instances of inappropriate racist conduct, and those are just the ones that were reported by police officers, and many of those targeting other officers, and another instance where four aldermen uh, had, had a discussion about um, police conduct. Two were African American, two were not, and only the two African American uh, aldermen were singled out in various social media news reports in, in some very derogatory, derogatory manners. So um, 
again, I think the agreement is only as good as its enforcement capacity and disagreement has absolutely none. So I think we have an opportunity to take some bold action regarding law enforcement in Springfield and I, I would again suggest that we use this as a document starting point uh, to bring real structural change instead of ceremonial change to the city's law enforcement. Okay, so basically Alderwoman uh, uh, Turner is talking about teeth and putting teeth in this agreement. We'll talk more about that. The chief was not at the meeting, but the assistant chief was, and we'll get Ken Scarlett's comments on that coming up too. Uh, when we last left off here, we were talking about the uh, shared agreement, uh, shared values agreement between the NAACP and uh, the city and uh, putting some teeth into said agreement, and uh, that was uh, the contention of Alderwoman woman Turner on that and uh, uh, there were seven uh, accusations of, of uh, racial misconduct that the Springfield Police Department has been dealing with and uh, Chief was not there you know uh, Chief of Police Kenny Winslow was not at the meeting last night but Assistant Chief Ken Scarlett was and he addressed the council about those items come on machine you can do this come on I do value those 10 principles. I think it's important that uh, not only do our citizens understand that, but each of you understand that. Um, to your point, uh, Alderwoman Turner, there have been um, instances of, of um, uh, um, perceived race-related problems within our agency. We take those very seriously, and we will deal with those as they come. And I think the point is that um, within those 10 shared principles, it says that we're not going to tolerate that, that we're not going to accept that. And when we find those instances happening within our organization, we will take a firm stance on those and deal with that. And I think that's very important that the citizens of this uh, city recognize that. We're not perfect. We will continue to police our own, and we'll do a good job of that. Um, I think that these 10 shared principles are being developed uh, within the culture of our organization. We unveiled them when they came out. It was actually March of 2019 is when the document was signed. Um, we continue, we've added these now to our uh, training tasks for our new officers. So one of the training tasks will be understanding these 10 principles as well as the Springfield Police Department vision and philosophy. And I think it's important that our brand new officers understand that from ground zero. This is what is accepted in our organization. This is what is not accepted within our organization. And as we begin to um, you know, develop that culture within our agency, um, I'm hopeful for change. And Alderman Redpath came to the defense of all of that, you know, uh, talking talking a little bit, defending the police chief in the, in the actions here that have happened so far. I can tell you that there is a lot of problems in this country uh, with, with relationships between uh, the police department and African-American folks. And I can just tell you right now that uh, we're very lucky to have the police department we have. Uh, chief Winslow has done a, a pretty darn good job, in my opinion, trying to do his best to bridge the gaps. And I know we got problems, we still got problems, we're always gonna have problems, but we gotta work this thing through. And we gotta, we gotta work not only to build our relationships, but build better police officers and, and build better, a better department for our community. We gotta reflect the people we serve. And, and I know how tough it is for recruiting because I've been in the same boat. And so I know how hard it is for them to recruit. But we as, a, as citizens of the city, have to help with our recruiting and bring good people to the police department of, of all different ethnic backgrounds. We need it, and uh, I encourage that. 
Exactly. And, and to get to that comment beforehand, uh, Alderman Hanauer had come in and talked a little bit about recruiting and had some questions about that. And obviously it's going to be extremely difficult. Hanauer, sure. um, how's our, how are we doing as far as minority re recruitment? That's always, I know it, it, we're always out there. How, what's, how's, the, how's that going? I don't have the specific, specific numbers in front of me. I know Chief Winslow has been very successful with minority recruiting. Uh, I believe we currently have uh, 31 total minorities, and please don't quote me on that. I have to get the exact numbers. But um, we do have a, a recruiting team. We reach out to, we utilize Noble, the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Officers. We use uh, academia within our communities. We use faith-based organizations uh, within the community. Um, and, and the best tool for recruiting is uh, through word of mouth through our, our men and women of our agency. And that's that's been the hardest. There. The biggest push, Go. each officer should go find that one person that they trust working side beside them and uh, you know bring them on board. So um, I think minority recruiting is going to be a challenge as uh, the days and months ahead and as we, we get ready to test in the next couple of months, I mean, that's going to be very important that we, we, we go pull from not only our community, but um, you know various other communities around us to say we're looking for good quality candidates. Um, to come take our test. I thought the assistant chief made a great point about officers be becoming part of this. You know, certainly uh, our, our police officers working the neighborhood beats, they, they can mm -hmm. tell you about some of the people that they like to work with that they may have to deal with that are trying to keep the peace and try to help the officers and recruit them to get into the Springfield Police Department. And I and I think that, that we are really not going to see a huge change in the public's perception of what's going on until we get a, a proper proportionate minority representation in the Springfield Police Department. It's just the way it's, it, it, and it's that way in just about every business, but especially oh, yeah. especially when it comes to a, a, an authoritarian type wing like the police department is that has to has to level authority on people yeah. you know it, it, when you get a close representation to the community you know that that's that's the best way and and we you know w despite the recruiting efforts and stuff we still are a little bit underrepresented compared to the black population that we have here in the city of springfield right. and that yeah. and that has been addressed and and uh continues to be addressed and i can tell you right now it is very tough to find those qualified candidates but it has to keep going and we can't use it as an excuse to knock off so right so you know as that uh, as that continues or more, there, there was a little more discussion on it. Alderman Turner jumps back in too. Uh, um, one of the things that Alderman Gregory bar brought up was the fact that you know one of the statements that Chuck Redpath had made earlier about the fact that we're always going to have race relations, and 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 uh, Chairman Gregory at the time took a little bit of exception to that. This thing that we're talking about, this racism thing that we're talking about, it is serious. People send out death threats. People tell us to watch our backs. Homeland Security reported in 2006 that one of the greatest threats to peaceful marchers, protesters, people who support the advancement of black people was groups of white men who didn't like that. In 2011, they had that same report. In 2019, September, they had that same type of report. This is serious. Yeah, he wanted to make sure that mm -hmm. we're not just saying that, well, you know, this is something we're going to have at all times. No, it's it's something that, that that may be true, but it's also something that, that can be misconstrued as taking it easy on the problem. When yeah, it doesn't be. mean we 
we should just become numb to something like that. Right. And, yeah. then, and then Alderman Turner jumps back in and she makes a couple of points here. It goes without saying that we all know that we have good officers. So I don't know why that has to be said. Every, every time we have a discussion about law enforcement, that has to be said or else people take offense to it or they think that you don't believe that. Um, now, there, she makes a good point in a professional sense, sentiment. That's true. But I don't agree that that's the view of the community. I don't think that every single police officer, you know, that, that, that people think we have a majority of good police officers. I don't think that. And I don't know that. Well, I, 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 I guess adding to the debate, I don't think you can just assume that everybody believes that every officer is good in the city of Springfield. They don't. No, know? but and, there there is a big there is kind of a big sentiment, I guess, almost nationally, that if you try to, you know, if you criticize the police in any way, you, you know, people think you think one way or another. But I think that's what she's getting at. Well, yeah, and, and that could be. But on the flip side of that, I think to say that that everybody assumes that the police in Springfield are good, I don't think that's a good that's an accurate assumption, no, at least no. not with everybody. No. I think there, yeah, no, I there's some people that, that a lot of people that, that especially ones that are in trouble with the law at times. You know, I mean, if she's talking about the body and talking about it as as we speak as a community about it, you know, in the in the chambers and, and wherever. Yes, I agree. You know, it goes without saying. But but in the community overall i don't think people share that same view mm-hmm. anyway we'll move on with that uh we do when we come back we do have the mini marts to te- talk about it looks like that they're, they're going to be closing those up here you know it doesn't look like a lot of opposition yeah. to that mm. and, and one of the things we've talked about is rents too you know this moratorium that we have on landlords kicking people out that was addressed last night too we'll talk yep. about all of that next wrapping up the council roundup okay mini marts uh we were against that you and i were yep. yesterday uh but uh there seems to be a sentiment for it let's hear the exchange it was pretty good you don't mind, and I'm I'm 100 percent for this. I understand. No, I'm, I'm my more than happy was, to. Are, okay, so if we do this, do they go to the places that have gas at that point? Or I I, I mean, are it, I guess my question is, are we going far enough? Uh, well, I think you know, or are we are we going to start here and maybe look, see how things go down the road. Yeah, can we do that? You don't want me to send them out there to to no, Thornton? I don't. I'm just. I just want you know. I'm, I'm just, that was a good. That was a good exchange. And we, you and I, actually brought that up too yeah. yesterday about the fact that where are these people going to go if you take away the the mini marts without gas pumps and make them close between one and five mm-hmm. as part of this ordinance? Certainly understand the hundred bucks. You know, I mean, if there's extra police present that needs to be there, that's fine. But I don't want to uh, restrict the hours. But uh, the sentiment basically was that uh, it looks like that's going to be on the agenda and probably a slam dunk. Getting on to rents here right now and uh, uh, a lot of uh, information toward that. And uh, I, it was where Val, Val Yazel came in and, and shared a little bit of information on what's going on as far as renters go. We talked about that, about the moratorium and the fact that renters may be confused about the fact that it wasn't that you don't get to have to pay any rent since March. It means you don't have to pay it until now, you know, or whatever, yeah. but it's still all coming due. But here's what she had to say. All right. Um, uh, to Alderman Turner, uh, Alderwoman Turner, the yes, we can go back. Uh, we can pay for three months as long as it starts at the beginning of COVID. This is anything that has affected uh, homeowners with uh, rental assistance that started during COVID. So we can go back and pay up to three months. HUD allows us to pay for three months of um, of rental assistance. And uh, when we did the um, uh, a 
amendment we set up to $1,000. So so that whatever it is, three months or $1,000 is, is the amount that we have put forth um, in our amendment. So, you know, if it was March, April, May, that, that's fine. We can do that. I do know that when we spoke with uh, the Urban League, they're also getting funds. So hopefully without commingling or without, uh, you know, replicating funds, they may have some funds also available very soon um, for assistance. And let me see, what else did you ask? Did, did um, so HUD has approved our plan and we're, we're in yeah, local on, implementation. Yes, they now. approved the plan for the rental assistance. And okay. I was hoping if we could get uh, the subrecipient agreement uh, looked at and approved, I, I was kind of hoping, fingers crossed, that we could have that on first read next week. Yeah, well, they, uh, we're running out of time here, you know, because yeah. July 31st is when the moratorium goes over. But there are options that the council has too. But again, uh, getting back to the highlights on that, a lot of talk about the three months rent that people could get as assistance, but it's capped off at $1,000. And I don't know too many people that, that, that can cover three months rent with only a grand. You know, I mean, oh, that, that's... Some of them probably couldn't even yeah, do one month but, with well, a grand. Well, I th- I think, depending on where you live. Yeah, it depends but. on where you live. Yeah, exactly. But I think I think probably two might be able to Two's cover probably, some, yeah. the spot. But anyway, uh, uh, finally on that rent issue, uh, Corporation Council chimed in with a little bit of uh, insight as to what the council could do as far as that option goes for the July 31st deadline here. I was simply going to say that I think that the uh, what. <laughs> Uh, Val was indicating is that the subrecipient agreement should be ready for first reading uh, this this coming next time, and it seems to me, and we can look at this, but I think we could, uh, because there is some flexibility there, uh, make a rule ourselves that would say that uh, if a landlord has evicted a tenant, then they're not eligible to get reimbursement for that tenant's money, meaning if they evict, they're never going to get paid. So I think we could have a rule within that process uh, that would help have a landlord hopefully exercise common sense. And again, uh, for the crunch of time, I apologize about that, but what had happened there is that uh, we heard in both Wards 3 and Ward 8, you know, Alderman Conley and Alderman uh, Turner had brought up the fact that they had heard from residents who had already received eviction notices. Yeah. You know, that 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 uh, because this moratorium was being lifted up July 31st, they were already putting in process so that the landlord could clear that place out by August 1st. You know, because these people were behind that far. What they're saying in, in this regard is that that basically they want to make sure that the landlords don't evict those people otherwise they have no chance of collecting that back rent and some of them have been owed since mid-march since the start of this pandemic they've been owed that so as a little incentive to 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 maybe not push the button so fast on those eviction notices they're telling the landlords that hey listen you know they're working with the tenants to try and get their rent caught up but if you kick them out and evict them you have no chance of getting any kind of money for that and i mean that may be fair that may be not i don't know but uh, that seems to be how they're addressing it but at least they're trying to handle something as far as the evictions go July 31st because again we're looking at a lot of people that are up uh, that meet the criteria for eviction once mm-hmm. that moratorium is lifted so yeah yeah, it's unfortunate. It's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be a tough, yeah. tough hole for a lot of these people. Anyway, uh, and I think in a way, it's almost I almost feel bad about that personally because 
uh, when we said the moratorium and everybody covered that moratorium on rent, I think we weren't exactly clear, not with everybody. A lot of people knew that they owed the rent anyway and pulled shenanigans anyway, but some people were unclear about that, thinking that they didn't owe any rent from March to April during that moratorium, and that is definitely not the case. But again, they're going to be working on that, and we'll find out what happens at next council meeting. That's your council roundup here from News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. We're sneaking up on 8 o'clock. Ron Metzger joins us next on News Talk.